0: hello everybody welcome to my top five games of 2020 uh, I'm Gareth one of the co-hosts of the game central podcast we are on an episode uh, for a lot of 2020 for obvious reasons, those reasons being mental health and you know finding inspiration, all the usual stuff that everyone's been suffering from turning 2020, but I've been playing games this year and I think it was a pretty good year for games, at least at the very top tier. The top tier of games this year is some of the best ever. Now, there's a lot of stuff that wasn't top tier that I'm not going to get to. I'm only going to be focusing on my top five Um which is probably for the best we want to keep it positive uh it's currently eleven fifty-five a.m on the 1st of january 2021 for me so happy new year to you all um i wanted to do this a couple of days ago but the timing just didn't line up and now i've got this chunk of like three hours on new year's day where i'm completely free so i'm just gonna do it i'm just gonna talk about my top five games um I'm not sure of the format of this. I just have a vague plan that I want to talk about my top five. Um, There will be no spoilers. I want to make that clear up front. Zero spoilers for these games. I know they've been talked about to death and you've probably played them all. But I'll still not be talking spoilers just for the people who haven't played the games but want to hear my thoughts on them. Maybe there'll be a spoilers discussion in future. like If Rob and Dave want to do the podcast at some point, Uh, we've talked about it this past week but it's not set in stone. But if we want to talk about spoilers, it'll probably be with those guys. Um, yeah, like I say, I'm not sure of the format of this. I'll probably just go from five to one. But I do want to also highlight some music. You know what I'm like. Uh, every single episode of the podcast, I highlight some kind of video game music. On the uh, best soundtrack in video games this year, in my opinion, just also happens to be the best video game soundtrack I've ever heard. Um, So I'll be highlighting that throughout this episode, and that soundtrack is the Final Fantasy VII Remake. Um, Even if you don't have a huge amount of nostalgia for Final Fantasy VII, you have to acknowledge that the music is fucking amazing. Uh, Nobuo Uematsu. Am I pronouncing that right? I haven't said his name out loud in a while. Nobuo Uematsu? I should have probably looked this up. Again, I'm just doing this off the top of my head. Um... His original soundtrack for Final Fantasy VII is iconic for a multitude of reasons. And the remake not only takes those songs and makes them like orchestral and grand, it also remixes a bunch of the tracks in interesting ways. It redoes some of the old music in a new way that brings new elements to it. There's also new music. There are areas in the game where the music is the same song, but it changes styles depending on where you are. In the level, it, honestly, when I watch people playing this game on Twitch or in YouTube videos or what have you, just hearing the music makes me want to play the game again, which is a very unique trait for a game to have. The music is unbelievable. It's the best soundtrack to a game I've ever heard. Um, so I will be featuring some of that music throughout this. Again, I don't know how. Maybe I'll put it in between each entry. Maybe I'll just wait in between two and then put some music in there i haven't thought this all the way through um so 2020's done let's talk about the games my number five for 2020 is tony hawk pro skater one and two Now, I freely admit, I was never the biggest Tony Hawk's fan. In fact, I'm more of a skate guy. When those games came out, Skate 2 was like a revelation the first time I played it. It was incredible. Um, I always relate my skateboarding uh, games to the Skate series more than Tony Hawk's. So when Tony Hawk's 1 and 2 came out, I wasn't really fussed. Um, In fact, I think the first time I ever played Tony Hawk's 2 was on the Game Boy Advance, um, which is an incredible version of a game, but it's not, you know... If you're asked about Tony Hawk, because that's not the first version of the game you would have played. Um, I've since gained an appreciation for the games. I know I've got friends that love them. I once watched a replay at a friend's house on the PlayStation 1 of him doing a run in Warehouse. Is it Warehouse? Yeah, it's Warehouse. Where he started, did a backflip, broke through the thing, into a dark slide grind, into a bunch of different grinds, and like a massive combo. He's very proud of it. He saved the replay onto a memory card. Um, So I know Tony Hawk's is that to a lot of people. To me, it never really was. Um, So when 1 and 2 came out this year, I wasn't really fussed. It took me a long time before I got it. It's only in the past month or two that I picked it up in a sale. And I thought, yeah, I'll give it a go. And I didn't like it when I first played it. I think my mistake was I just tried to play it as though it was just a game. And it's not really. It's obviously run-based. You get two minutes in each level to... Pick up all the stuff to get your high score. To grind whatever thing you need to grind, or to do the gap you need to do. And I sort of played it for a few hours and was like, oh, "This is—it's just got more frustrating the longer and longer I played it." I mean, it controls fine, but it's because you have such a limited time to level. If you miss something by like a millimeter, it's so much more frustrating because you know you've lost time, and th- you only just missed it. Like picking up a letter in Skate or a. Uh, subway pass on that city level, you know, if you just narrowly miss your jump ever so slightly one side or the other, it's the most frustrating thing in the world, especially when you're only like 10 seconds left. Um, So I didn't like it. I think I complained about it on Twitter. I think I actually said like, this game's way more frustrating than I remember. Um, And then I nailed the way you play it. I found out how you're supposed to play it, which is like 30 minutes at a time. 15 minutes at a time you turn the game on you do a few runs you turn it off maybe you turn it on you get a high score great turn it off that way it's much less frustrating and that's the way I sort of found my way in I wasn't enjoying it until I had one day where I was like I've got some time I'll just do some Tony Hawk's runs because I've got nothing else to do a Hades run takes too long firing something else up would take too long I'll just do a quick Tony Hawk's few runs and I did it and then that later that day I was like You know, I got a bit of an itch from playing it earlier. I'll do it again And I did it again like before tea or something like that Um, And I really hit upon this formula where I can turn on Tony Hawk's it's simple enough that I can just play it for 25 minutes and turn it off and come back to it a week later and do it again and still do well because of the way the trick system works in Tony Hawk's. Um, so yeah, like I'm saying, what I like about the game is how accessible it is. It's the thing I originally disliked about it. What I liked about the Skate series was how sort of complex it was. This idea that you would flick the right stick to affect your person's like body, and then, like, the left stick was like leaning, like it was way more complicated. But because of that, when you landed like a kick flip into a grind, it felt incredible. Whereas in Tony Hawk, you know, a kick flip into a grind is tapping two buttons <laughs> with almost no regard for timing. Like, you just stick to a, a rail when you start grinding on it, you know, the momentum is insane. Um, I've, I've found an appreciation for that this year I think because of that sort of 15-20 um, minute spurt way of playing it really it grabbed me to the point where you know I'll just be sat around and maybe I'm watching like a YouTube video or something and then after it finishes I'm like oh I'll do 20 minutes of Tony Hawk's right now just fire it up, pound out a few runs if they go shit, who cares, it's just fucking 20 minutes you know if they go well Cool. I might do this again later. (laughs) So it's really, uh, I really wish I had come to it earlier in the year because of that, because it's only been that for me for the past few months, whereas if I had found this earlier in the year, I could have had that experience sooner and have still been having it up to this point. It's a bit of a shame, um, but I'm glad I found it. I'm glad it exists. You know, we, we got some remakes this year that are very good, obviously. Um, and I hope this trend continues. There are a lot of games that could do with this kind of treatment. You know, it looks nice. It runs really n- smoothly and well. The soundtrack's really good. It's just a really good package. <clears throat> if there were other games that were released in this fashion, literally just go to the main menu, pick whether you want Tony Hawk's 1 or 2, and just fucking go really quick and easy there are so many games that will benefit from this and i think it is worthy of that kind of status you, we should be looking back in 10 years time and saying man tony hawks Skater one and two that package really established something in the industry that the industry went with for remakes i think it it deserves to be looked back at that way so i think a very deserving top five place in my list even as somebody who wasn't a big fan of tony hawks I think these remakes do such a good job of making everything that was good about Tony Hawks very obvious. It just took me a little bit of time to see that. So yeah, number five on my top five of 2020 goes to Tony Hawks Pro Skater one and two. this seems like as good a place as any for some uh, video game music so again this is from the uh, soundtrack to final fantasy 7's remake i think this track is a really really good example of the way the game takes classic themes and plays with them um this is the battle theme which every fucker knows from final fantasy but it's a new composition it's a new way of getting into uh, the song, and the song evolves as the uh, boss fight that you hear it in takes place. So it's it's a really good example of the soundtrack doing everything that it's great at doing. So, from the soundtrack to the Final Fantasy VII remake, this is called the Arsenal. My number four game of 2020 is Animal Crossing New Horizons. Animal Crossing really hit a chord with a lot of people this year. It was a game about being outside and doing things at a time where nobody on earth should have been outside and doing things it was such a great proxy for real life and it really struck a chord with a lot of people i know a lot of people i know um basically addicted i think is maybe a strong word (laughs) Uh, but it really did take the place of being outside you want to go for a walk not really because that's where other people are and those people don't wear masks because they're out the house and they're idiots Or do you want to just be in Animal Crossing, do some fishing? Maybe pay off 5% of your loan today if you find the right fish. You know, you want to do that. You want to talk to your fellow villagers. You want to see what they have to say. They're all brilliant. They're all well-written and nice in their own ways. Even the grumpy ones, you still want to check in with every single day. Um, I guess if you've never played Animal Crossing before, I should explain. So it's a game where you play a human typically in a town full of animals and you choose a house and you put furniture in that house and you pay off the house (laughs) but uh, New Horizons is a bit different in that you are sent to an island you start off with a tent and then after a few days in the tent you work up enough to get a, a house and then once you've made the house your fellow island dwellers have houses and then you Maybe you start putting furniture around the island to make the island look a bit nicer. Maybe you maybe you put some roads down in between yours and your villagers' houses, you know? Until before you know it, after a few weeks, you've made yourself a little neighbourhood, a little town, sometimes a little city. A lot of the stuff people have been doing have been very impressive. People's, like, island builds, I say in air quotes, um, where they make them look like you're looking over the top of a city are insane. Um, way more impressive than I could ever do or would want to do. My island in Animal Crossing is very simple. I was aiming to make it feel like um, like the Welsh countryside. I don't know if I succeeded in that, but it's just a nice little town. I planned out where all my houses were gonna go beforehand and spent ages, like, being like, oh, do I want to go here, or do I want to go one square to the right of here to give it this different feel? Do I want like a, this little neighbourhood to have avenues? Do I want it to have like a back passage? All of this stuff. Um, these decisions that I agonised over, so that you know my anthropomorphic animal friends could could be in a a town that I think looks nice and it's just fun. I, I, It's hard to explain. I have played an Animal Crossing or two before, not for a long time. I know they've been making quite a lot of them in recent uh, consoles, but I think the last one I played was the DS one. I played the GameCube one, I played the DS one, and then nonsense, and I think that really helped for me. I noticed a lot of people coming to this game and loving it most are people who have either not played them in a long time or people have never played them before you know this game sold a lot of switches as it deserves to like i say it, it struck a chord that people needed to strike this year i think people come to it fresh you know it is a game that's very weird there's a lot of stuff that doesn't make sense about it like why why would you donate fossils to the museum when you could just sell them to pay off your loan you know The idea that there's this museum, that building it up inside is something you do and can take pride in. Like, as somebody who's just playing games like an hour a day, who's bought a Switch because there was a pandemic on, why would you give a shit about that? But it's one of those games that, despite its weirdness that it's always had, uh, it really draws you in. It's just so charming. Everything about it, the way the animals talk, to the things they say, Is very well written, which is, you know, Nintendo are obviously incredibly talented at making games. You wouldn't necessarily say their writing was the best a lot of the time. I understand that new Paper Mario actually has really good writing, Uh, actually. Maybe I'm full of shit, but, but it's definitely not the first thing I think of when I think of Nintendo games. I think of the gameplay. I think of the art style and direction. I don't think of the writing. But it's actually incredibly solid in Animal Crossing. There are characters that I genuinely like. uh, And they're just a chipmunk in a dress. (laughs) I think it deserves a lot of credit for that, you know? Not every company can pull this off. Nintendo has an inherent charm to it. And they managed to bring it to an All-Crossing. And the timing of everything... I mean, nobody wants a pandemic, right? But I'm sure when Nintendo saw this pandemic coming, they were like, fuck, we're going to sell a lot of Animal Crossing, guys. Oh, shit. <laughs> and deservedly so. They keep updating the game. Unfortunately, I fell off in recent months just because it's so much upkeep. I logged on it uh, like a week or two ago, I want to say. And there was just roaches everywhere and my fucking island had weeds. And everybody I spoke to was like, oh, I haven't seen you in a few months. It's like, oh, now I feel bad. Um, so, you know, they did Christmas stuff and Nivea stuff and I haven't seen it because it's just so much effort just to get back in. But the multiplayer is really good. I think that's the last thing I logged on for was somebody was having like a quote-unquote party on their island. I just logged on, went to the airport, flew to their island, hung out with them for a while on their island. The multiplayer has been a genuine joy this year in animal crossing you've probably seen the clips on youtube or twitter or stuff of people having like weddings in there and birthday parties you know people getting surprise partied in animal crossing it's a wonderful thing and it's it's something that i'm glad i've been a part of um it's a shame i've fallen off but it's just so much upkeep and that's why it's number four on my list you know I think it could have been higher, but the quality of games, like I said earlier, at the very top end this year has been unbelievable. I think there's a lot of years where just the sheer joy that Animal Crossing brought in this tough time was enough to put it a lot higher on a list. But the quality of games above it is just. Unfortunately for Animal Crossing, it's just too high. But this, you know. This is a game nobody's going to forget for a long time. People are going to be looking back at this Animal Crossing as sort of pivotal for this year. And I think that's right. I think it deserves that kind of recognition. I think it's going to get that kind of recognition in the future. And I think ultimately that's probably more important than where it lands on this top five of some guy from Manchester. So yeah, number four of my top five. 2020 is the incredible Animal Crossing New Horizons. So let's move on to number three. My game for third place of 2020 is the Final Fantasy VII Remake. I never played Final Fantasy 7 when it came out. Uh, in fact, I didn't even have a PlayStation. Now, it wasn't until much later that I came to Final Fantasy 7. A friend of mine said to me, have you ever played Final Fantasy 7? And I was like, no, I never had a PlayStation. And he was like, well, does this film, Advent Children. Do you want to watch it? And I was like, yeah, I like video games. A film based on a video game, that sounds cool. Um, I watched Advent Children with him, and it was cool. People with swords flying around doing cool action-y shit. It was alright. There were CGI women in it, and I was a young teenager, and I was like, ooh, women. That's nice. Um, so then after that, I played it on an emulator, and it was good. Final Fantasy VII was good. Um, you know, skip forward 15 years. <laughs> Final Fantasy VII Remake's coming out. It just so happens to drop at a point in the year where I had fuck all else to do. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to buy it, I'm just going to, even though I don't have that much nostalgia for Final Fantasy VII, I'm just going to buy the remake and see how I, how I like it. Uh, bought the remake digitally on the PlayStation, downloaded it, started playing it and instantly, instantly washed over with nostalgia that I didn't think was there. I did play Final Fantasy VII on an emulator once didn't even get all the way to the end on it. And yet still, as soon as I started playing this game, nostalgia, things rushing back to me that I didn't realize were in the back of my brain somewhere that I actually treasured. Um, It's kind of insane that the game can bring that out of somebody who doesn't even have it. (laughs) It's just so well made. So much care went into this game. I think the worry, before it came out, was probably that it was just a cash grab. You know, PlayStation have had this print money button for years that they've never pressed, which is Remake Final Fantasy VII. I think it was PlayStation 3, the tech demo they showed, was like, look what the intro to Final Fantasy VII might be if we made it on the PlayStation 3. And then it never fucking did. (laughs) So they've had this in their back pocket the whole time, which would lead you to believe, when it did come out, it would just be some... Merciless cash grab... That no one gave a fuck about... They just wanted the money... But no... This thing is... Made with... An unbelievable level of care and detail... That I... Never would have expected... Places like Wall Market... Or as like... Where's the... The slums... Sector 7 slums... Are just... There's so much going on... Like a way more than they needed to do... Every little nook and cranny you look in there's something interesting or that's a reference to Final Fantasy 7 or that is a part of the world that people who were like mega fans of Final Fantasy 7 will have wanted to see the game it's been made by people who knew what fans of Final Fantasy 7 would want i've already mentioned the music the best soundtrack i've ever heard to a video game Every fucking song that comes on, you're like, holy shit, the music in this game. You know, repeat that over the, like, 30 hours that you play <laughs> Every few hours, you're like, oh my god, the fucking music in this game is incredible. Orchestrated versions, fucking Euro club track versions, <laughs> remixes of classic themes. It's just incredible. Every... A single new track is a joy and part of the joy of playing the game is hearing those tracks um, I think I said it earlier, I apologise if I didn't like I said, you know, this isn't very planned out, um, but like when I watch YouTube videos or Twitch streams of people playing the game just hearing the music is enough for me to be like oh, I want to play that bit again just, you know, because the experience of playing it again with that music for the first time uh yeah, I, I I loved this game, and I didn't expect to. Like I said, I wasn't a big nostalgia guy uh, for Final Fantasy VII. I never had a PlayStation One. Uh, I never played the original, apart from on an emulator, and I didn't even complete the game. Um. So yeah, when I tell you that I loved this game. Take that as somebody who has that experience. If you've played Final Fantasy VII like 20 times when you were 14 you're like, I don't really know if I want to play a remake. I already know everything that happens in the game. Obviously, this isn't spoilers, um, but it is a game I could spoil for you, even if you have played the original Final Fantasy VII. So that's all I'll say. Take that into consideration. It is worth playing if you have played Final Fantasy VII um, and you love this world and these characters. I will say no more than that. I don't know what more I could say without explicitly ruining it for you, but there are parts in the game that didn't take place in the original that inform the original and make that world even richer. And if you love the world and these characters, you want to play for yourself. So if you're a fan of the original Final Fantasy VII, just play it. Just do yourself the favour. I'm sure you'll love it. And if you do love these characters, which I know these characters have been around for decades now, they've been in Kingdom Hearts games, they're even in fucking Smash Bros at this point. So if you do like these characters, this game is just full of little character moments made. It's clearly made by people who understand these characters and the appeal of these characters. So if you love, say, Tifa, you think Tifa's a really cool character, Spending time with her in this game will make you love her more. You know, it is her to a T, in my opinion. Uh, They've nailed her. They give her more to do. And the things that are more to do inform her character. It's not like, oh, she's changed now. Nothing like that. These people who made this game understand these characters on such a fundamental level that everything they do feels right and endearing and you love them even more for having played this game than you did if you only played Final Fantasy 7 speaking of playing the game as well the combat is fan-fucking-tastic the way they took the concept of the combat in Final Fantasy 7 it's this active time battle in where your bar fills up and then once it's full then you can do a move you know uh, it was it was a turn-based strategy that wasn't quite turn-based. And somehow they've managed to adapt that into real-time combat in a way that is fun in and of itself. I'm not going to say it's deeper or more strategic than the original. Like I say, I don't have as much experience with that. But taken in a vacuum... You would play this game and you'd be like, this combat is really fun and interesting. Um, and knowing where the combat was adapted from is very impressive. It's like, It takes an imagination to, to look at some bars filling up and to still make it that, but make it active, force you to engage with it gives you a ton of strategic options to do where you know i had my favorite way of playing but if i needed to i could mix it up Uh, i had my favorite moves that characters would do but if that move wasn't right for the situation i had plenty of other ways i could go fighting just like 30 enemies at once was great maybe enemies were a little tanky yeah that's a slight complaint just meant you got to fight more <laughs> uh, but the real area that the gameplay stands out in is the boss fights the boss fights in final fantasy 7 remake are fucking amazing every single one like they all stand out in their own ways even just a fight against what looks like it will be a generic big robot stands out because all these bosses have a billion health and every fight feels epic because of that. And when I say a billion health, that's not a bad thing. I know a lot of games will be like, oh, this boss is just a bullet sponge. And then it one-hit kills you. Like, that's not really the case in Final Fantasy VII. They have a billion health, so fights, you know, you've got to really grind them out. And you get to figure it out on the fly. But the bosses don't really have that sort of one-hit kill thing. So, you know, as you're gradually wearing them down... You know, you're grinding out your victory against this boss. They're also grinding you down, you know, you'll have to use heals multiple times during a fight. You might have to pop some items, you might have to pop a phoenix down. It'll like knock two people out and then you phoenix down one of them that person gets back up and then they're able to heal the party. You'll be able to use a limit break that heals people at the last possible moment and it'll feel amazing. I don't think I died during a boss fight in Final Fantasy 7. But I always felt like it was a challenge which is so tough to do you know how many games have you played where you're in a really close fight and then you die and then you restart and just it doesn't feel as epic when you restart right because now you know well if I die I just restart the fight like there's no consequence here so a game that balances it where you shouldn't really die against these bosses you can you obviously can. But you shouldn't if you know what you're doing. You know, if you've been playing the game well, you will defeat this boss. You'll you might go down sometimes. You'll need to heal a lot during the fight, you know, but you're figuring it out as you fight. And it feels amazing. I think this is probably the most satisfying game in terms of boss fights I've ever played. I can't think of another game where the boss fights are actually satisfying. Like, Shadow of the Colossus is all boss fights, right? So that doesn't really count. Um, I genuinely can't think of another game. If you asked me what was the best boss fights you've ever played, I would say this game. Easily. Fucking easily. It ain't even close, motherfucker. There's so many fights where I can recall specific moments of, like, this boss was charging this up, and then I figured out that There's this bit of the level where if I can get my characters in here, then then they won't get hit, and then I need to attack that thing first. Uh, I'll get this guy to do that. And then I need this person to charge up to their next skill, so I'll I'll take control of them and have them attack, even though their attack isn't that great. Um, Because I have to be proactive in fights. You have to have your characters attacking in order to cast stuff like heals or defensive spells. Which means you're always doing something, you know, you can't really hang back and wait. And because of that, the gameplay never feels boring. Every bit of combat is interesting in its own way. Materia system is as complex as it ever was. Um, characters, top tier. Story, fantastic. As I, I'll say it again if you've played Final Fantasy VII the original and you're like, well, I just don't know if the remake really, really appeals to me you should just play it you should just play it uh, <laughs> I don't know what more I can really say um, obviously I, w- I wouldn't want to spoil anything for you and I won't uh, there are a ton of videos out there of people fawning over the game who are longtime fans so I know it's not just a me being a sort of half fan before this and coming in has this opinion I know it's a wide held opinion even amongst serious fans of the game so yeah I'm glad I'm not alone in loving this game and the music man the music I I cannot emphasise enough how this is genuinely the best video game soundtrack I have ever heard I'm only 32 Right, I've not heard every video game soundtrack, but this is the best one. <laughs> so take that what you will. In fact, you know what? Let's play some of it right now. The soundtrack to Final Fantasy 7 is filled with classic songs. Um, let's just play one of the most classics, uh, re-recorded, reimagined, re-whatevered for this game. Uh, I'm going to play for you now. Aerith scene. Second place on my top five of 2020 is Hades. Now Hades is a game that made waves this year. Um, This was kind of that indie game that every year kind of has that sits amongst the AAA titles and deserves its place. Uh, Only Hades is better than that. (laughs) Hades could easily be number one on this list if number one wasn't what it was. Um, But Hades for me does something that I didn't think it could do which is it makes me like other games I have liked less. These roguelike games where you know every time you start a run it's a completely randomized level and you start from scratch. These games like Dead Cells, like Rogue Legacy, you know, I like those games, or I have liked those games in the past. Um but now you look back, those games feel lazy, you know? What Hades does is every single run whether you do well or you do badly you get something out of it you come back to the main hub and there are characters to talk to and you talk to them and they give you incredibly well written well-written dialogue that forwards the plot and forwards your opinion of them and there's stuff to do in the hub you can get new materials you can trade some of materials out there's plenty of little Many quests you can do there. Um, and then you start another run. Maybe that run goes really, really well. You come back to the hub. And th- there's more to talk to. Every single person you talk to has brand new dialogue. I play the game. Let me actually... I'm going to actually click on Steam right now. And I'm going to tell you... How much time I've put into Hades. Uh, like, to the minute. <laughs> And I'm not a person who leaves the game on and walks off. So, Hades, playtime, 84.1 hours. And I feel pretty confident in saying I've scarcely seen a repeated line of dialogue in 84 hours. It's only in the past few hours that I feel like, you know, I've obviously 84 hours. I've basically completed the game at this point. A long time ago. (laughs) There's still some stuff I need to clean up in terms of in every single achievement. But I completed the game a long time ago and I've only recently started seeing repeat dialogue. I'm still seeing new dialogue. But it took about 80 hours for the game to run out. I don't know how Supergiant Games wrote that much dialogue. For a roguelike, it doesn't really make sense. The gameplay is really, really good on its own. It didn't really need to do this. But it's the fact that they take these characters who... You know, you played God of War. You probably recognise some of these gods. Uh, they say these characters that aren't really characters, and they give them character. You can't help but know what every single god's personality is just from talking to them like twice. Um, man, this game's so good. So it's run based. You know, you do a run. It's randomised each time. You build yourself as you go through the run you'll find power ups for yourself and you'll increase your stats and then you either complete the game in that run or you die. When you die you go back to the start and your next run you start from scratch random rooms again, build yourself up with different power ups again, build your stats up again, all of that but there's some persistent stuff as well so some of the items you'll find during your run you take back with you and then when you're in the hub later, you can power yourself up. So the next run, you'll maybe find different items along the way. Or you'll start off the run with more health than you did. It's that thing of the first time you play Hades, you're gonna you're gonna die. You are, you're just gonna fail. Then the next time, maybe you get a little bit further. And then the time for that you get a little bit further, and by then you've built up enough that you can upgrade yourself. So now when you go in next time you have maybe more health, or you do a little bit more damage, which gets you a little bit further, and so on and so on, until you beat the game. And even then, after you beat the game, you can keep playing and it makes sense. The way they've justified you to keep wanting to play makes sense. It's like a genius level of writing that you shouldn't really see in a game a genre like this. Roguelikes, these games where you start from scratch every run, they don't have writing because you start from scratch every run. But the people at Supergiant figured out this concept and this way of making the game interesting outside of that. Like, they could make a game in future that is just narrative based, based on these characters, that's how well established and well written they are they could also do a Hades 2, easily you know it's not hard to imagine what that might feel like or what that might look like what the story might do Um, but man just playing this game there are what six different types of weapons, each one feels unique and interesting in its own way. There are weapons that I've played with that I'm like, eh, this feels a bit shit. But then you'll do a run with it and you'll happen to find something on the run that changes the way the weapon behaves. And now all of a sudden it's one of my favourite weapons. My my favourite weapon in this game is the bow. Which the first time you play with it, you're like, ugh, this feels really slow and clunky to use. But then if you find the right things... Suddenly it's not slow, and it's not clunky, and it's different than it was, but it's like my favorite way of playing that game I've ever played was a way that removed the bow's main weakness. Like you charge it up, right? So you charge it up to fire, and then the longer you charge it up, the further it goes, the more damage it does. That's how the bow plays. I found a thing that made it so, if you just hold down the fire button, The bow will just fight like a bam, 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 bam. But you can no longer charge it up and do the extra damage. I don't give a fuck about that. Just let me fucking fire arrows non-stop like it's a machine gun. And the game let me do that, and then I found stuff that complemented that really well. All of a sudden, the bow is my favourite weapon. So, yeah. The game's really good at that. And it does a thing that sort of forces you to be proactive in trying out new weapons, which is that... At the start of each run a different weapon will be chosen at random and if you use that weapon you get more resources as you play through so it encourages you to try out new weapons and that inherently forces you to try out new strategies to play differently to see the different ways that can be played in this game and there are so many there are so many viable ways of playing the game that every single person who plays it will find a way that they love It it will happen. There's no way it won't. Because you get your choice of how to power up as you go through. You're going to choose what appeals to you. You're going to try something new one time. Because there there are things the game does that reward you for doing that. They encourage you to try new things. And then when you do, you get rewarded for it. So the game not only is really focused in how good its combat is but it also is lets you be as unfocused as you like it wants you to try new things and when you do you get shit for it but if you want to just stick to the same weapon over and over again you totally can if you try the sword and you're like i fucking love the sword the sword's all i want to try they even find ways within the sword for you to try different ways of playing. And it's just an absolute work of genius. I, I, I don't know how I can play another roguelike now. Like, if I go back to um, Dead Cells now, you know, I turn it on, I start a run, I die. The guy's back at the start, I start a new run. See, if I go into Hades, I start a new run, I die, I go back to the hub. People have new... Stuff for me to forward their stories along. There are new quests there. Maybe there's new things I can do with the items I found during my run. There are characters there that I maybe I just want to fucking pet Cerberus. You know? That's something to do in between runs that feels meaningful. You know, I can go, I can change something about my build. Maybe I want to try something new for every run. I can do that. It's, when I think about playing a game like Dead Cells now, I think it will be boring. And that's insane because Dead Cells is a fucking great game. There are a ton of games in this genre that I don't want to play anymore. I just can't be arsed. There was a game that came out this year called Griftlands, which is like a deck building game. I love card games. I've been playing Magic the Gathering uh, for like a year now and I love it, you know, I played Yu-Gi-Oh when I was a teenager, and I loved it, car building, uh, deck building game, sorry, should be right up my alley, but I played Grifflands, and it's a roguelike, and I'm like, there's nothing happening in between these runs, there's no, there's no Hades style progression, I feel like I'm wasting my time when I fail, and that's a really bad feeling. Hades, at no point in playing it. In the 81 hours I've played that game, at no point have I ever felt like I've been wasting my time. Which is incredible. The game is fantastic. If you still haven't played it yet, it's like less than 20 quid. I have 80 hours in it, and I'm going to play it as long as it takes me to unlock everything. To see everything. Because it's just so much fun to play. And I think this game could easily be the game of the year. I know a lot of people who think it is. And I can't disagree with any of their points. The only thing keeping this from the number one slot, really, is like, in my opinion, a masterpiece. So it's like, if it's not going to be a literal masterpiece, you're not going to buy it? Ah, come on this game is in any other year this would be the game of the year and it deserves it it's fucking fantastic the music's good as well the music's very good (laughs) so without further ado let's move on to number one Number one game of twenty twenty is The Last of Us Part Two. Last of Us Part Two um, was, for some reason, a source of controversy this year. Um, I must confess, I'm still not hundred percent sure why. Um, my experience playing the Last of Us Two was the same experience a lot of people probably had, which was that I took Friday and Monday off work. I wanted to play it all weekend. Um, the game came out. I pre-downloaded it a couple of days early so as soon as I woke up on Friday I could start playing it. <clears throat> I played it all day Friday, all day Saturday, and on Sunday I played it until I completed it, avoiding social media the entire time. I didn't want even the vaguest slight chance of anything being spoiled for me because I've been looking forward to the game for so long. Uh, and by the time I completed that game, I was crying. I thought it was incredible. Um, I couldn't have imagined a better sequel to The Last of Us then I went on social media then I saw the Metacritic scores then I saw the sheer vitriol being spewed at Naughty Dog and the people who made the game and I couldn't believe what I was seeing Um, this game is one of the best games I've ever played Um, the story is incredible it makes you recontextualise the first game in a way that's actually interesting in a way that doesn't cheapen the first game in any way Um, and it takes the story of the first one and progresses it in a very natural way that makes 100% sense a lot of the complaints that I've seen don't track at all. Um, I see a lot of people saying, well, this isn't how such and such a person would react. This isn't how such and such a thing would go. Um. Yeah, it is. <laughs> like, I... I see some complaints and I'm like, I could see why you would complain about that. But it's like is very obviously there for a reason, you know? Um, There are a lot of things people have said that I just straight up don't see. Um, I I have to keep this very vague because of the lack of spoilers. I will talk about the game uh, in a moment, but maybe this makes zero sense because I'm talking about the story without spoiling any of it. Uh, (laughs) But people have complaints about that game that, for me somebody who played the game completely devoid of spoilers I know the game leaked early or at least some of the story stuff leaked early I have managed to avoid all of that which thank fuck I did Um, I love going into things on spoil spoilers are like my least favourite thing in the world I will literally remove somebody from my life if they spoil something (laughs) Um, so yeah playing The Last of Us 2 with zero idea what was coming It all flows. It all makes sense. Um, The way characters act is perfect, in my opinion. And, you know, it's written by the same person who wrote the first one. They're his characters. The way they react is the way they would always have reacted because he fucking wrote them. How hard is that to understand? People are fucking idiots, man. I've seen so many complaints about this game. But I don't think I've seen a single one of them That I think is good in any way. (laughs) The the complaints I've seen are all petty or very easily dismissed. Um, The type of person that's complaining about the game largely is the type of person you wouldn't ever want to actually have a conversation with in real life. Uh, I can have conversations with people who disagree with me all day, but it's the way they disagree that's like... Do you have any real friends, mate? Because it doesn't seem like anyone would want to hang out with you. Um, So, yeah, for me, went in blind, played it in a vacuum, came out the other side thinking it was a masterpiece and shocked at the reaction. The good news is since then, since that vocal minority started whinging about it on release week, as more and more people have played it. As more and more people have completed it. You know, this is like a 30 plus hour game. You couldn't have completed it as quickly as I did without doing what I did. Which was, you know, take the Friday off work. Play it all day Friday. Play it all day Saturday. Play it all day Sunday. I even had Monday off. I was planning to play it all day Monday if I had to, to complete it as well. Um, so there are a lot of people who will have taken a week or two to complete the game. And as those people started completing it and rolling in, you start to see the consensus change a lot towards the game. You know, to the point where it's won a lot of awards for Game of the Year now. Uh, It won the Game of the Year at the Game Awards. It got through to the final of the um, Player's Choice. Which, you know, people would lead you to believe that most people don't actually like the game. Most people think it's bad. Really? Because it seems like on popular votes it's doing really fucking well. You fucking cunt. Oh, I hate... So many people I've seen act like their opinion on the game is like... Well, actually the majority of the people feel the same. It's like, well no they don't because the game sold like a bajillion copies. And it has like tens of thousands of bad reviews on metacritic like that's your metric really like 1.2 percent maybe of people disliked it the rest of us you know we just loved the game and then moved on that's what most people do it turns out most people don't leave a product review on amazon no matter how much they email you asking so you know those socks you bought two weeks ago could you leave us a review just letting us know how you No amazon no i'm not gonna do that unless there's like four holes in them when i open them then you're damn sure i'm gonna leave a fucking one-star review but if it's like a good coat that i've worn for six weeks and it's still good i'm not gonna leave a five-star review saying yeah the coat was good i wore it for six weeks even though that would be so helpful to people it's just not my natural inclination it's not a lot of people's because you know you can see the product on amazon that has 14,000 reviews, you know, you know, it sold 1,000 times that many pieces of product (laughs) to get that many reviews. Um, So, the game itself the game plays similarly to The Last of Us One. You know, there's a focus on stealth because the engagements, if you just have a fight with some enemies, you know, it only takes like a few shots to kill you. That was one of the main things about The Last of Us 1... Which was so revolutionary... Was that like... You got into a fight with like four enemies... That shit was scary... They could destroy you... If you made a wrong move... The Last of Us 2... Takes that concept... And sticks with it... But it makes uh, your character more of a badass... I would say... So you can do more stuff in combat... You have more options... um, you even have options within your weapons so like now the bow you can craft different types of arrows for it which means you're sort of making choices on the fly um, a lot more stealth is uh, a much bigger deal I'm bad at it (laughs) there are a lot of times where being stealthy here would have been great but instead because I'm shit at it I have to fight my way out and I come out with like a sliver of health And, like, only just surviving. Um, But the gameplay is really tight and nice. Uh, It's difficult. It's a tough game. Even playing it on just the normal difficulty is very tough. But it's so much fun, man. Like, I can see why speedrunners find it hard to go back to The Last of Us 1 now. Because the gameplay in that game... I saw a quote from somebody uh, recently. I can't remember who said it. They said, going back to The Last of Us 1 now, The Last of Us 1 feels like a demo. And The Last of Us 2 is like the final game, you know? Um, You can crawl on the ground. You can crawl under cars. You can aim while you're crawling under the car. You've probably seen the trailer from years ago now where Ellie's under the car and she's like aiming where the person's head's going to be and the person puts their head down and goes... (gasps) And then she gets shot in the face. It's so cool. Um, the types of enemies in the game... Uh, fairly limited, you know. There's people with guns, people without guns. Uh, and they all behave fairly similarly. But the thing that's interesting is the characterization of those enemies. Um, again, no spoilers, don't worry. I'm not going to spoil anything for you. I'm not going to tell you what type of enemies to expect. But to, needless to say, there are factions and you'll be fighting against multiple of them as the game progresses and each one feels different even though thinking about it, they don't react that differently but like the ways you fight them feel different because of the places those factions exist that's as vague as I can be but um, I think people who have played the game will know what I mean by that Um There are so many moments in the game that I will look back on for years as iconic moments. The story goes places that I didn't want it to go, but in a good way. Like, you watch the trailers for the game that came out a couple years ago now. It leads you to believe certain things are going to happen that don't happen. And it's fucking fantastic. They're edited in such a way as to make you think you know what's coming. And then when it doesn't come, you realise the stuff that's in the trailers contextually you know makes sense. Does that make sense? What I just said? Doesn't matter, I'm going to keep talking. Um, so yeah, I thought the story was going to go a certain way, and then it didn't. And the way that it did go, you know, immediately that can feel unsatisfying. Because you, having your head an expectation of I know what the last of us 2 is going to be, you know. Um but then when it doesn't go that way, it's not cheap because it was never going to go that way. The way it goes is so interesting in and of itself that it doesn't matter. Um like No, I can't. I can't even mention what was in the trailers because I want to be so spoiler free that if you've not played the game, I want to hopefully convince you to play the game if you haven't played it. That's my goal for all of these in this video, I guess. In the back of my mind is that. And I think The Last of Us 2 is one you probably are least likely to have played because of the controversy surrounding it. I'm here to tell you, in my opinion, it's a masterpiece, okay? Uh, The story, another quote I've heard is that this isn't the story that you wanted, it's the story that had to be told. And I think that's the most important piece of context I can give you for the game is that everything that happened in the story that you're like, well, that's not what I wanted to happen. But it's what had to happen. Uh, it's what should happen. Um, I think we've been a bit spoiled with stories recently, you know. I'm thinking about film like the Avengers Endgame, which is, like, the most satisfying thing in the world if you're a Marvel fan, you know? This isn't necessarily the most satisfying thing in the world if you're a fan of The Last of Us. But it shouldn't be. The Last of Us universe isn't that. And it never will be. And it never has been. If you think back to the first game, nothing that happens in that game, really, should be, like, the thing you wanted. Like, I think we can talk about spoilers for the first game, right? (laughs) Like... Nah, I'll, 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 I'll not talk about any spoilers. I'm not gonna do it. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna abstain from any talk of spoilers. But if you played the first Last of Us, and at the end of it you were like, wow, what a satisfying game where everybody got everything they wanted by the end. It's like, you didn't play the game. <laughs> you, you had the complete wrong idea, mate. Um, you know, the start of The Last of Us 1 should tell you the kind of world this is. And don't ever let that leave your mind while you're playing The Last of Us 2. Um, The sound in The Last of Us 2 is incredible. I'm talking... Not even like the music, which is very, very good. I'm talking stuff like... Your character will be running. And every single movement they make... produces a different sound while running than when it's still. Or... You know, Ellie will breathe heavily doing certain things even if it's not sprinting you know if she's say you jump up a few ledges at a time you know she'll like get out of breath because she's a person who gets out of breath when you pull yourself up onto a ledge you know um guns sound great the undead sound great it's just the game first of all well not first of all because i've been talking about this for like 10 minutes now not first but this number of all (laughs) the game looks incredible like the graphics on this game are probably the best i've seen on the playstation 4 um maybe on that entire generation and the sound complements it so well the sound is so on point and perfect that combine it with these absolutely beautiful graphics the game just feels like it's been presented immaculately even if you hate the story I don't know how you can say the game isn't still at least like a fucking 9 out of 10 the graphics are insane the combat is fucking amazing the sound is perfect the music is top tier the acting even even if you don't like the story the acting is fucking crazily good You know, Laura Bailey has been winning all the awards for her performance in this game. And it's so rightly deserved. It should be put up against TV shows and stuff like that. I I can't believe how much stuff this game does. You know, that is a 10 out of 10 for me. Um, It just so happens that the other thing that it does that's 10 out of 10, a lot of people, well, not a lot of people, a loud minority of people, disagreed with you know for me it's like graphics 10 out of 10 sound 10 out of 10 music 10 out of 10 not the best soundtrack of all time because that's Final fantasy (laughs) 7 but music 10 out of 10 gameplay 10 out of 10 story 10 out of 10 performances 10 out of 10 it's like everywhere i turn in that game i was like absorbed you know you there's a lot more so you know in the first last of us Everything kind of felt a bit like a corridor in terms of, you know, it's a very linear game. Some areas you're going to, you'll have to fight enemies, and it'll be quite a large area. Um, but The Last of Us Part 2 is like open fields, you know? It's like, okay, you're in a sea. Just do it. Just be be in the city. Figure out, figure out how to get the next bit by yourself. And it's like, the size of the areas in this game... make it feel like it's supposed to feel, which is this a post-apocalyptic world, right? Devoid of life for the most part. The Last of Us 1 conveyed that with very linear segments that have been crafted to feel that way. And The Last of Us 2 feels that same way, but with these bigger, grander environments that you're exploring... You know, there could be danger around every corner and I think it conveys that much better than The Last of Us 1 ever could have done. Uh, this is a, a part in The Last of Us 2 where you're exploring a large area where there used to be buildings. Remember, a lot of the world got bombed as they were trying to bomb the zombies. Or well, well, they're not zombies, you know what I mean. Um, there are a lot of places where there used to be buildings and you want to explore because it's a video game. You You want to find an upgrade. You want to fill in the map but you're very aware that around any corner could be a zombie we know it's not zombies but bear with me you know what I mean Um, and it conveys that just by existing in this in this environment and I think that's very very well done Um, the environments are never boring as well there's always something even if there's no upgrade there there's something for you to see around every corner the world is so detailed um, that you know you could just walk down a random street in one of these bigger areas and it may not be something that changes your life <laughs> but it's something that will fill in a blank of this world even if you didn't know there was a blank there it's just like uh oh, I know more about this world now because of this tiny little piece of context or there'll always be a dialogue line or something like that the game you can't say that the game hasn't had an unbelievable amount of effort put into it and if there's anyone you want to put that much effort in it's naughty dog this isn't somebody who you know like me if I'm doing a piece of artwork say I haven't done art in a long time but if I'm doing a piece of artwork I'll have it to a point where I'm like, this looks like the thing I want it to look like. And I could say it's done right now, but I'll keep tweaking the tiniest little thing that doesn't actually make a difference, right? That's me, A, a useless piece of shit human. But the people at Naughty Dog, they'll have it designed with a billion of those finishing touches from the start and then they'll add more and add more and add more until you think they can't add any more and then you turn down a different street and you're like, oh my god, this is also a a bit of context for this world, you know nobody's putting more detail into their games than the people at Naughty Dog and it's incredible to see, it's incredible to experience Um, I don't know how much more I can talk about the game without spoilers um, and I'm not I'm not going to spoil anything still. I'm going to stick to that as best I can. Nobody hates spoilers more than me. Believe me. I've met people who say they hate spoilers. No. No, they don't. Not like I do. (laughs) Um, So I would say, if you've not played The Last of Us Part 2, and you played The Last of Us 1, just play The Last of Us Part 2. Even if you have heard the twists and the turns of the story, you know vaguely what's going to happen. Give it a go um things happen during the course of the game that I could never have seen coming um and I don't mean like events in the story those do happen but like events within myself the way I feel about people and events um was constantly changing um And it's one of those games now that when I think back about it, everything works 100%. When I was playing it, that wasn't necessarily the case. Um, There's a long stretch in that game, which I think a lot of people... If you've played it, you'll know what I'm talking about when I say there's a long stretch of that game that I wasn't on board with. When it started, I was like, no... No, don't do this. Don't do this thing. Um, but then, by the by, the end of the game, I was so thankful for that long stretch. It's like eight hours of game. I was so thankful for those eight hours because it made me recontextualize what I thought about something that I thought I already knew the way I felt about it. You know, no game does that. No game bothers. Games will be like, Uh his, this character who you thought you knew, but then we're going to show you a cut scene. See, they weren't that evil. They had a family or some shit like that. You know what I mean? But The Last of Us 2 takes something as innocuous as that concept that I just said and says, how about we devote eight hours to it instead of just a one cut scene? How about that? And in, in the moment you're like, well, don't do that no, 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 don't do this, please, no, eight hours of this, no, but then by the end of those eight hours, you're like, you were right, I needed to, to experience this for that length of time, to adequately say I had experienced it, so now I look back on that game, and the thing that I disliked whilst I was playing it, actually was a plus, rather than a negative, um, the only other game I can think of that sort of did this for me was uh, Bioshock Infinite, where the ending of that game recontextualized the game, and then I was like, "Holy shit!" Well, that thing that I, that was pissing me off earlier, now I appreciate. It's like insane that games can do that, and The Last of Us Two does that. Um, I would love to talk spoilers about, about the game with maybe Robin. Uh, Dave if they ever want to do more podcasting soon um, <clears throat> but I think that's as vague as I can be without spoiling stuff um, there are a lot of set pieces in the game that I'll never forget that I love watching people play like uh, if someone's streaming The Last of Us 2 on Twitch I'll click to see if it's their first time playing and if it is I'll, I'll see what they're up to or I might go back and watch the VODs of them playing such and such thing for the first time Uh, It's a game that I... Adore. I think is... Pretty much perfect. I wouldn't change any of... The game that makes me sad... And happy at the same time. This... The the Last of Us Part 2 made me cry. Not a lot of games do that. And when I re-experience some of that with youtube videos twitch streams whatever it makes me cry again i think that's a pretty strong endorsement for any game in any year but particularly to a sequel to one of the best games ever made for me to say the sequel to it is perfect and evokes such a strong emotional reaction in me Every time, uh, I hope that will convince you that this game is the best game of the year. Uh, I think it will probably be the best game for many years. If not, I'll be fucking pleasantly surprised. Um, but the best game of 2020 is, in my opinion, one of the best games ever made. It's a game that does something that no other game has ever done and probably no game will try to do again because of the backlash so appreciate it while you can appreciate Naughty Dog while you can uh, and play The Last of Us Part 2 it's perfect it's gonna do it for my recap of 2020 those are my top five games in order Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2 is it number five Animal Crossing New Horizons was at number four. Final Fantasy VII The Remake was at number three. Hades was at number two. And The Last of Us Part Two was in first place. I'm going to end it by playing some more music from Final Fantasy VII. And then thank you for listening if you listened. Which, if you listened this far, you did listen. So thank you. What a useless sentence. Um, this was just me rambling uh, in the afternoon of the 1st of January. I hope you've enjoyed it. Um, We don't know what 2021 is going to bring in terms of podcast episodes. My um, New Year's resolution for last year was to restart the podcast once a week, keep it on a regular schedule. Um, Obviously, I didn't plan for a worldwide global pandemic uh, and it making me depressed and severely... uh, what's the word, you know when you don't feel like doing anything, whatever, you don't even feel like finishing that thought, (laughs) so I don't know what this year is going to bring, hopefully we're all a lot happier and we can pull ourselves up to doing the podcast, to being entertaining or at least trying to be and to bringing our opinions and fighting for them strongly finding the energy to do all that hopefully 2021 brings us that I hope you'll be hearing from us again soon but if not have an incredible year and uh, follow me on Twitter at Game Banter come talk to me I tweet stupid shit I sometimes retweet wrestling or fucking obviously video game stuff or cute animals just come and have a chat I'd love to see you there so that is from me Gareth, one of the co-hosts of the Game Central podcast. I'm going to leave you with some Final Fantasy VII Remake music now. Enjoy. Come on, you knew it had to be One Winged Angel. (laughs) Enjoy, guys. See you later.